Hi everyone and welcome to the Perma Podcast. I'm James Prescott, your host. Welcome to the show. Um, I'm really excited today because we've got another new guest today. I'm, I'm excited to um, to talk to um, my new friend Jamie Coker. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Um, no, I'm excited to, to hear your story. Um, Jamie has written, I've written a book um, about kind of deconstruction in the context of a musical journey, which I think is really, really interesting. Um, and I love that. I love the, I just love that. Um, um, it was so obvious when I was reading it as well. And it's called My CCM Soundtrack Life. Um, and this is, I, I just, I just love that title so much. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to talk about basically this story today. It's kind of, it, it is kind of a story of, deconstructing your faith in your life through the lens of music correct uh, and I, I just it's really interesting I mean a lot of it resonated with me because I'm familiar with some of the artists that you talk about I wondered if you might be um, you know even though I'm in the UK and I wasn't necessarily an evangelical but I you know people like Steve Curtis Chapman and DC Talk and all that yeah I, I, yeah. I remember those those guys um <laughs> I also remember Nirvana, who you mentioned in the book as well. Uh, <laughs> so tell us a bit of tell tell us just tell us your story, really. Like I think it'd be really great sure. for people to hear. Yeah. Yeah. So I was raised in the United Methodist Church. Um, attended there for most of my childhood life, and um, always found church a little boring, but um, was always drawn in by the music, specifically by the hymnals that we would sing out of. Um, and I remember being four years old and. You know, standing next to my mom and looking at this hymnal and just all of a sudden everyone around me singing at the same time, singing together, and I'm just looking at this book in front of me and just all of these strange black markings that I don't understand and wondering how people knew when to sing and what to sing and um, just found it really beautiful and was drawn in by it from a pretty young age. Um, we fell out of church attendance for a while because we moved around a lot, uh, but when I got into high school, we started attending more regularly, um, and it was around that time that a good friend of mine invited me to her youth group. She went to a Baptist church, and so I joined her at her youth group, and it was at that youth group that I was introduced to contemporary Christian music, or CCM, and um, much like the hymnals um, and the, the hymns that I heard in church, I was just immediately drawn in by this spiritual music, this Jesus music. Um, and you know, at the time, I was a adolescent. I was pretty insecure. Um, I was a introvert, which I learned more about later in life. But I was also extremely shy. So being a shy introvert is like a lethal combo for a teenager. And yeah, <laughs> just <laughs> struggled to fit in, and just felt always awkward and out of place. And all of a sudden, at this youth group, I found you know this group of kind of misfits that I just really fit into and this music they were listening to was just really intriguing and um, at the time I'd been listening to a lot of uh, 90s alternative music I went to high school in the, the mid to late 90s and so listened to a lot of Nirvana and Smashing Pumpkins and, and that kind of thing and while I enjoyed the music I just always felt really conflicted by the lyrics of those songs and a lot of them were focused on like sex or drugs or partying and sleeping around and it was just you know things that I wasn't really um even though I wasn't super active in the church yet um you know I just was at that point was more of just a one on Sunday and didn't really 
nothing much beyond that. Um, hmm. But even, you know, before I became really active in the church, I was just a really conservative teenager and just wasn't into, like, the party scene and all that. So just felt really conflicted by all of these these songs that I heard on the radio. Yeah. So all of a sudden I hear these CCM songs and... You know, it's like the same kind of music and lyrics that I don't ha- didn't have to feel guilty about, and so I embraced um, that music. Uh, a friend of mine loaned me her DC Talk uh, free at last cassette tape, and so I took that home and listened mm-hmm. to it over and over and over again. Um, and soon after, a friend gave me my first Stephen Curtis Chapman album, uh, The Great Adventure, and I listened to that over and over and over again. And from there on out, I just consumed CCM. Um, that was it became the only music I listened to. I eventually purged all the rest of my, my CDs, so all of my secular albums that I had. I took them and sold them and yeah. Wow. The only thing I listened to was, was Christian music. Yeah, and that's the case for a lot of people who grew up in the church, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean I Yeah. I was I mean, I was in the UK, it wasn't really an evangelical church I was in, but in my twenties I was part of there was a lot of evangelical type things happening. Yeah. Like we used to go to this summer event, which was kind of more of an evangelical church vibe. And, mm-hmm. you know, there were a lot of the CDs they were selling were, were all of this kind of stuff, you know, and we had our own stuff over here, things like Delirious and, and you know, those kind of things. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it was really interesting because you, like, you were kind of like, yeah, like what secular people do you like? Like, do, you know, while well, you're allowed to like them, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So you kind of, um, you almost felt guilty for listening to the secular music. Yes, so I did. Yeah, very guilty. Um, you know, this is like 20 years ago now, but yeah, yeah absolutely. I, oh, I completely understand that. So what was your, so then what was your journey into kind of music yourself? Like, because you mm-hmm. you started you started singing yourself, didn't you? I did, yeah. So, um, like I said, I was pretty intrigued by the hymns, um, you know, when I was four or five. And when I got into middle school, um, you know, again, I was just very insecure and trying to find my place. And we had an elective class where we could take like band or chorus or shop or graphic arts. And um, so I kind of bounced around trying to find out what class I wanted to take. And I eventually ended up in chorus, um, not really because I wanted to sing, but just because all my friends were there and mm. that's where I wanted to be and, um, found out that I actually loved it. And so I sang all three years of my middle school years. Um, my eighth grade year, I decided to participate in, um, this festival called solo and ensemble, which is basically just people, you know, performers go and they practice these pieces and they perform in front of judges. So I sang with a group of friends and, um, while rehearsing one day, my, my teacher turned to me and said, wow, Jamie, I didn't know you could sing like that. And I remember thinking, I didn't know I could sing like that. <laughs> so um, got into high school and just continued with choir because I just loved it. Um, and so really chorus and choral singing was what drew me into music. Um, what yeah. brought me. Brought yeah, it's interesting. I was kind of in a bit, I was, I did a lot of singing myself when I was a teenager I kind of stopped when I went to university because writing was my was my thing more than more than sure. singing. But I was yeah. a pretty good singer. Um, I just never really um, and music's always been something that that draws out my emotions um, and yeah, connects with my inner self. Like, like I said this before on my podcast, it was when I couldn't cry when my mother passed away until I heard 
some music that she loved that mm-hmm. we were doing for her funeral. Right. And that's yeah. what broke me, kind of the music. It was it wasn't mm-hmm. anything else. So yeah, I I completely get that. Yeah. Yeah, and when I got to college, I, I kind of fell out of singing as well because I, I thought I was going to be a, either an environmental scientist or a zoologist, so I went into a, a science major. Hmm. Um, and so I took all these science and math classes, and I think it was probably two semesters in, I realized I miss singing. I need, I need to get this back in my life. And so I ended up just taking a, a chorus class as an elective while I was in college. Um, mm. but then shortly after that, I decided, you know what, no, I think I'm going to do music professionally. And so I changed majors from science to music and just kind of went rolling from there. So, so how did, what did the, so what happened next? I mean, when, when, when you kind of graduated and um, I'm trying to remember the actual order of things happening, but yeah. you went on a missions trip, didn't you? That was, yeah. which was kind of a big, turning point. I did. So I ended up, I got a music degree, um, which ended up being a lot harder than I thought it would be because it was um, classical style music that I studied, which I wasn't expecting because I was so into, you know, this simplistic um, kind of worship style music. Mm. And that's kind of what I was wanting to sing. And instead I ended up singing like all these opera arias, which turned out to be a wonderful thing because it um, really strengthened me as a vocalist um, and just showed me what hard work can do in general. So I struggled through that, but I got my music degree and was trying to figure out what I wanted to do from there and put out some job applications at some churches because I thought I wanted to be a worship pastor somewhere um, and didn't get any answers. And then one day I went to a African children's choir concert at my church and halfway through the concert, a chaperone got up and said, we need some chaperones to come tour with these children. We need teachers, we need bus drivers, we need nurses, we need music teachers. And I heard music teachers and thought, hey, I, I could do that. Um, and a, a good friend of mine was there with me and she said, yeah, you're, you're doing this. And so she made me go and get an application. And long story short, a year later, I was on a plane on my way to Uganda to meet the first choir of children that I would work with. So I spent a couple weeks with them there, training, getting them ready, and then we flew back to the States, and I spent um, almost three years on tour with two different choirs, uh, performing three to four concerts a week. We did a few high-profile events. Um, We got to perform on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. Uh, Ellen, we ended up recording with a couple Christian artists, including Stephen Thurst Chapman and Jars of Clay, Um, and even performed with uh, with some secular artists at well we did a couple like um oscar parties and some other fundraisers and things here and there so ended up being an absolute whirlwind um but was just incredible i got to travel all over the place and worked with these amazing kids that just kind of expanded my worldview and just just changed me a lot so what was the impact of that on on you personally uh, both i guess both musically and in terms of your mm-hmm. your spiritual journey Sure. Uh, well, musically, it it definitely ex- showed me a different style of music. Um, you know, I went, like I said, I got a music degree, and it was at a very prestigious music school that studies classical music. And so I had spent, you know, four years learning that, which is very much, you know, by the book. You know, you sing as it is on the page, and then I, I go with these African children, and it's it's not like that. It's, you know, they, they pass a lot of their songs down verbally, it all by ear you know they're not much for sheet music and so all of a sudden I had to learn this very different style um, plus if 
if you've ever seen the African Children's Choir in concert, these kids can move. <laughs> they do some incredible African dances, and so, um, which I am not that talented in dancing, and so that was like a whole new world for me just to, to watch that. Um, mm. And my, fa- my favorite time on tour, we would meet every day, every morning, we'd get together and we would do what they call devotions, and we would gather in a big circle. Sometimes they would bring the African drums in, and then four or five of the children would each lead a praise and worship song, and we would just have our time of worship, which was very life-changing for me because I had been used to worship in front of a stage, and I got used to that contemporary style of worship with acoustic Mm -hmm. guitars and music stands and loud drums and maybe a fog machine thrown in, and all of a sudden it was just this really stripped-down, just simple worship. Um, very impromptu, and it was just incredibly powerful. And, um, you know, I just kind of shifted my my view of worship, you know, which had been that very scripted, staged uh, version, just moved to this just beautiful, um, just really from the heart. And so um, that shift was interesting. And then when I got home, trying to go back to church and worship in front of that stage just didn't feel didn't feel real, didn't feel right, and was just really uncomfortable for me. And so that was kind of one of the first pieces of my deconstruction. Um, I felt a lot of discomfort in, in church when I came back from that. Um, yeah, and then musically, I just expanded really my worldview. And, That's yeah. interesting. It's interesting how when you go away from the system, as it were, mm-hmm. you know, the kind of evangelical church system, you know, and we're seeing we're seeing more of that exposed now with kind of the you know with George Floyd and the and Black Lives Matter and systemic racism being more exposed and the system that produced it being more exposed. It's yeah. like it's almost like you went away from that system and found some true worship, yes. um, which wasn't like a product, and yeah. then came back and actually it just showed you oh this is what this actually was. Yeah, and it's interesting that you say that because, yeah, in the past couple of years as I've kind of dug more into racism and I'm realizing more how just evangelicalism was just really responsible for a lot of it. And it's, yeah, it's been gut-wrenching to see. But, yeah, it's interesting that you say to see real worship. I remember um, we would also do devotions before a concert and we would often invite the pastor or the worship pastor to come in and join us. And Mm. one day we had this worship leader and he came and he joined us and we finished and he turned to us and he was literally speechless. And he said, I have been to worship conferences and worship services my entire life and I have just seen true worship right here. Like he was blown away. Um, yeah, so people that you know would see the kids would be visibly touched by them. It, it was pretty powerful to see. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is really interesting. Um, yeah, when suddenly everything gets exposed, and suddenly you're kind of like, yes. "Oh, uh, this isn't quite what I thought it was." Yes. I think it just shows yeah. you how easy it is to get drawn in to that to mm-hmm. that system and to think that yeah. it's real and. Like I've said before on the show, that it's only since I've left that kind of thing mm-hmm. that I've see, seen it for what it is. Yes, you know, and it's quite yeah. terrifying when you th- when you see it for what it actually is. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, what, so what was your kind of when you came back and you had that experience? What? How did you respond to that? What was what was kind of? 
How did that change you? Um, honestly, for the first few months when I came home, I just, I kind of figured it was more my just transitioning back from mission life and a normal life, because I'd heard that from a lot of missionaries, even though I hadn't spent a lot of time, you know, out on the quote-unquote mission field, like I spent the majority of my time in the States or in Canada or, or I was in the UK for a few months. Um, you yeah. know, it still felt like a mission trip, and so coming back home to, you know, normal life was a bit of a transition, and so I figured all the things that I was feeling was just part of that, and I was like, well, I'll just work through this in a few months, and then everything will be fine. But then, you know, the months kept going, and I just kept feeling that discomfort. Um, and I, I kept going to church, and I kept trying, and I, I would, you know, stand in the back of the church during worship. And I used to be the one that would be, if I wasn't on stage leading worship, I was in the front row, like hands raised as high as I could get them. And now all of a sudden I was just in the, the farthest back corner, just struggling and, you know, wondering why is this not connecting? Why am I not feeling the things I used to feel? You know, I used to feel what I call warm fuzzies when I would be in worship, and hmm. I kind of equate it to, like, you know, when you fall in love with someone and you get that giddy feeling in your stomach. Um, that's how that's what I used to get when I would be in worship, and all of a sudden that was just gone. So, so yeah, I spent just a lot of months really in confusion and just frustration, trying to work through stuff. Um, and, again, I thought that it would pass, that I would eventually just kind of work through it and I, I think I thought if I journal enough and if I pray hard enough and if I read the bible enough like it's going to get better so when it didn't get better that's when I realized all right what's going on here and that's honestly when I started writing the book um, I just realized I'm really frustrated I don't know what's going on in my head I don't know what's going on with my spiritual life and just wanted to figure that out and so I started writing just to sort through that yeah that's really interesting that's really interesting because often that's I've, I've noticed this so much as a writer myself and and someone who works with writers um that when that often writing or creativity is a way to connect with what's really going on inside of us exactly and yeah. it kind of unravels what's really inside things that maybe we wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to articulate or notice mm -hmm. ourselves consciously yeah. that, that when we create the, especially when we journal it it, it 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 connects with that yes yeah so it's really interesting that you started writing the book in the midst of this journey kind of and i love that actually one thing i love about the book is it doesn't really provide all the answers it's just yeah. a genuine exploration and asking questions and mm -hmm. it kind of leaves you with questions that you need to go and figure out for yourself, which is, yeah. which I, I love. I think that was, I think that's well, fantastic. Well, I just, I knew that I didn't have the answers because I've been searching for them for years and I still don't have a lot of them. Um, and, I, and I just, I've read books that try to give you the answers and it honestly just kind of leaves me feeling emptier than when I started. And so I thought, you know, I'm just going to tell my story as honestly and as vulnerable as I can and hopefully people can find some connection and maybe some peace through that. So where did, kind of this as, as you came back and you started to realize this and it started to become really real how did you how did i mean writing the book and just the journey that you're on what what were kind of the big things that you started to to realize and understand mm -hmm. and where did your kind of faith journey go Sure. Um, well, and one of my big points of deconstruction was, you know, as you said, music. Um, since I had soundtracked my life with this Christian music, and all of a sudden it just wasn't connecting. 
Um, that was kind of the first thing I started to d- dig into because I honestly thought it was just, you know, an issue with worship. Like maybe I just had an aversion to certain worship songs. Hmm. Um, so I, that's where I started. I kind of dug into that. Like, why is worship not connecting? And um, a couple things I realized. Um, one, like I said, I'm an introvert. And as I've, I've gotten older, I've kind of settled more into that. And I've realized it's not something that makes me bad. It's not something hmm. that's wrong with me. It's just part of who I am. And I I realized that a lot of the contemporary Christian worship was um, very extroverted, very, you know, jump on your feet, sing as loud as you can, and just very in your face. And uh, there was a time in my mid-20s where I really enjoyed that and liked the energy behind it. But as I've gotten older, I've realized, like, no, I don't want to be an extrovert in worship. That's not who I am. And I tend to gravitate toward more you know, introspective and quieter songs. And I just wasn't finding that in a lot of the contemporary worship. Um, and then another piece I, I realized, and you, you kind of mentioned this, is kind of, you know, seeing behind the curtain. Um, and I figured out, I'm like, you know, this whole thing is really just a marketing ploy. This is just a way to sell me their music. Um and I just felt really betrayed. And I, like marketing isn't necessarily a bad thing. I mean, it guides you toward the product that you want to consume. And I get that now. But when it's tied to your spirituality, it just feels really dirty. And so I just felt like really betrayed by that. Um, so I kind of went from there. I went from like only wanting to listen to Christian music to never wanting to listen to Christian music again. And so I honestly just stopped listening um, and just started branching out and listening to other genres and different types of music and just felt a little freer and honestly found a lot more spirituality in some of those songs than I did in the CCM songs that I listened to. So yeah, those were kind of a couple of big things that I ran into. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, that you start to see that, that, oh, these weren't necessarily just songs written, weren't, weren't kind of just genuinely inspired songs, although some of them might have been, but Mm-hmm. This was more about forging a career and making money and yes. like marketing oneself uh, and just using yeah. using Jesus as a way to yeah. make money, you know. Yeah. And we're going to move them into these four chords, this energetic, you know, yeah, mold and yeah, and and you're going to buy it and like it. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean. So, I mean, as you went on your, this spiritual journey, I mean, how did it impact your relationship with, with God and, and Jesus that you that had before? Did, I mean, what was the kind of transformation in that in that yeah. part of your life? So it was a little rocky for a while. And, I mean, at first I was like, well, of course I still believe in God and I still proclaim Jesus as Savior. This is just something the church did. And I, I was able to kind of separate that, you know, and, and mm. work through it. But, you know, the, the more I dug in, the more it was like, well, what if this whole thing is just a marketing ploy? What if the church has just been trying to sell me Christianity. And so, yeah, I went, I mean, I definitely had some days where I thought, well, I I don't know. I don't know if I even believe in God anymore. Um, So it was kind of up and down. um, But in the end, you know, I did realize, no, this was definitely just something the church did. I think there is still worth to be found in the Christian story. There's so much depth here. I think, you know, as I read uh, about Jesus, I'm like, he, he is somebody that I want to follow. And, you know, the more I kind of saw, you know, like we talked about behind the curtain of the evangelical church and just all the junk that they did, it was like, this is not, you know, embodying Christ in any way, the way that they're, 
you know, manipulating people and treating people like this is not Jesus. And so I was able, you know, in the end to, to again, to separate those and kind of pull out the good parts from the stuff that I was just kind of spoon fed and just realized like, no, this is something I still want to be a part of, um, not necessarily in that evangelical sense. So I'm still um, active in church. Um, I'm not currently on a worship team. Um, I still kind of sit in the back and often kind of judge some of the music as I hear it. Um, I'm, I'm not usually singing during worship because I just still don't really connect to it. But um, I connect with the community at church and the people there. Um, you know, and things like communion are still pretty meaningful mm-hmm. and significant, significant to me. So, so yeah, um, I'm, I'm just kind of in this place of I don't always know and I don't have the answers, but that's okay. And things don't always feel great. Um, and I'm going to run into, you know, these weird issues and probably going to, you know, just face plant into these uncomfortable truths probably for the rest of my life. And, and that's okay. Like, I don't have to have it all figured out. Yeah. And I think that's a really healthy place to be. Yeah. Cause when you realize, Oh, I don't have the answers and I've got a lot to learn and I may never get this completely figured out. That's really a good place to be because then you've kind of let go of the, the myth. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and, I mean, how has this impacted your own musical journey? I mean, you've... Yeah. Because obviously a lot of your life is music still, I'm, I'm guessing. Yes. Um, so, yeah, how has that kind of impacted that? That was one of the hardest parts because, you know, like I said, I was a worship leader for a long time. I used to do special music in the church where you'd get up and just perform the solo. Um, I would do that, like, at least once a month. So the church was really my audience, um, and everyone at the church loved to hear me sing, and they told me that quite often. And so that's what honestly pushed me toward music. I, I, my initial career goal when I changed majors was to be a contemporary Christian singer-songwriter, and so that's what I thought I was going to do. So all of a sudden when this shifted, it was like, well, now I don't have an audience because I don't want to sing in church anymore. So, yeah, I went a couple years where I just didn't sing, um, and I felt very empty and very lost because I just realized, like, music is a crucial part of me. And so I realized that I needed to find a place to fit that back into my life. So I actually joined um, my city's community chorus, which has just been wonderful. It's just been a great way for me to to fit my voice, um, you know, in with this wonderful tapestry of all these other voices. And, you know, again, like I said, choir music was how I started singing. And so it's just, it's pretty fitting that that's how I've found a way to put music back in my life and have honestly found our rehearsal nights more worshipful than most Sunday worship services. So it's been, it's been a wonderful thing to add back and it's just brought a lot of joy to my life um, and it's given me you know a sense of community again because when I, I left church for a few years and just kind of isolated and just didn't really have much of a community so that the choir has definitely given me a bit of that back um, and then just personally like you know I, I do still have a passion for songwriting so I've actually been pursuing that in the last few years and I don't know where that's going to take me I don't know if I'll ever get out and perform publicly but um, yeah I'm just working on writing songs and then hopefully recording some of them so hopefully I can share some of those with the world soon yeah that'd be fantastic I'd love to hear that uh, those, those, those songs because I mean songs born of music that's born I always find that I connect with music more when I know the story behind the music yeah 
Yeah. Uh, it's always, I don't know, I don't know, it's always, I mean, one of, I, I often think in story and, and write in story, and that's just part of how I express myself in the world. But, sure. You know, so when I, when I, I actually love music more that I know about and I know the story behind mm-hmm. the music and it kind of, and the journey behind it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. My favourite albums are the ones where I know the story behind it and I know how they came about. And right, that, yeah. that, when I listen to the music, that's what, grabs me you know mm-hmm. um and yeah so uh, yeah i look forward to hearing your music Thank um, you. <laughs> um and how I'm, I'm intrigued to hear how your musical tastes have changed as well what mm-hmm. what music is like inspiring you and what music are you listening to now because i because yeah. I, I got the sense of like when you mentioned that nirvana story and mm-hmm. i was I, I had the sense of yeah we don't want to hear these kind of stories are kind of about depression and and anger and pain because mm-hmm. almost that kind of sums up what evangelical church is it's like trying to avoid all of that it's trying to build a yeah. structure around that and yeah. actually we need to hear those kind of songs because because they tell us the truth of what's right. really going yeah. on so i mean i'm intrigued to see how your musical tastes have changed well it was it's interesting when i stopped listening to Christian music and started branching out again, one of the genres that I started listening to again was that 90s alternative music that I had listened to in high school and felt guilty about. And, you know, with a little time and um, perspective, I started listening to some of these lyrics and realized, wow, there's a lot more depth to this than I realized. And, you know, I think, like, I used to just hear, like, anger and depression, and I used to think this is dangerous, I shouldn't be listening to this, but I realized this is this artists and the singer's way of processing through this and there's a lot of power to it and so all these songs that I used to think were dangerous all of a sudden were really meaningful so yeah it's, it's funny 90s alternative is actually one of my favorite genres to listen to now um, but my favorite really is like acoustic singer songwriter because mm. like you said I love to hear the stories um, and, and, and I'm just I love just kind of low-key subdued kind of songs um, I'm a sucker for a good sad song I love sad songs mm. um, so yes like acoustic singer songwriter kind of folk is kind of what I tend to gravitate toward um, but I mean I my my genres have definitely expanded I, I do listen to a lot of classical um, after studying it for four years I gained a lot of appreciation for it um, mm. My husband's music taste is, like, completely opposite from mine. He is into, like, hard rock, heavy metal kind of stuff. Um, but he has expanded my, my genre. He's made me respect some of those, you know, again, like some of that angry music that I, I didn't think was worth listening to. He's, he's shown me, you know, actually there, there's emotion and there's, there's depth to this. And so, yeah, so I've kind of branched out into a lot of different genres that I never would have expected to. Um, and my latest obsession is Hamilton. I, I was a little late to the Hamilton <laughs> party and yeah. just listened to that soundtrack uh, for the first time a few months ago and just loved it and have been listening to it nonstop. So, yeah, this is really fascinating. I'm always intrigued by the journey of well, the personal journey, the deconstruction journey, mm-hmm. um, and how it ties into the creative journey because it. That's something that's been my experience. I mean, my writing journey is... I I could probably write a book like yours, but with writing as the, you know, as the... uh, As the thread that goes through it. Because it's interesting, because my first book I wrote when I was still... I wasn't... I mean, I I wouldn't say I was an evangelical Christian at that point, but I was still 
kind of a kind of I guess um, in, within within kind of the realms of Christianity. You know, it was more yeah. a Christian book rather than yeah. a book written by somebody who has a spirituality and who is on a spiritual mm-hmm. journey, um, sure. but is not kind of trying to sell Christianity. You know, it was. And now I, I couldn't write that book now. Yeah, you know, I wrote it eight years ago, uh, yeah. and I'm a completely different person now. But but I mean, the weird thing is, it still has an impact on people, and it still makes a positive difference to people. Uh, and so that's a bit a bit interesting, given where I've come since I wrote it. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, so I always love those kind of stories because I think it's all connected in some way. Um, yeah. You know, because ultimately we're all trying to create a life. Uh, and art is a really good way to express what's going on inside of us. Um, yes, agreed. So, um, and, and what's your what's your hope for this for, for this book? That what's your biggest hope for this book? Honestly, I hope that it just reaches someone that might be in a similar spot. Um, I know that there's a lot of um, Christians and a lot of. Uh, specifically worship pastors, worship leaders that are in a similar spot, you know, maybe feeling disconnected just from the church in general or, um, you know, maybe toward the art that they're supposed to be offering, you know, their congregation, you know, maybe just feeling a little bit empty. Um, My hope is that someone would just know that they're not alone, that there's other people out on this journey with them um, and that it's okay to not be okay and to not know and to have more questions than answers. Mm. Yeah, it does seem like a book that, that could offer a lot of that to people I think because yeah, I um, yeah. um, because of also because I think the fact that it was written during that journey yeah uh, and you're discovering things as you write it seems as much as actually having already experienced them that I think might connect with a lot of people too that uh, like you say are in the midst of that right now yeah yeah. Um, I did the. Because it's um, lonely when you're going through it. You feel like I'm the only person that's feeling this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I know from experience that's definitely true. You can often feel like you're the only person that's, that's going through it. Yeah. 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 Um, and I mean, just one final actual question. Sure. Uh, is I wanted to know what what did the process of the book actually do to you? What how did it how did it impact you and shape shape your your journey? That's a really good question. Um, honestly, I think it just helped me to process because um, writing is really how I best process. I can't, I, I can't make sense of the jumble of things going on in my head until I have it down on paper. Hmm. So I think, um, and it's one of the reasons I love songwriting. It's like if I can get these thoughts into like a concise three to four minute song in, in the structure. I can make sense of it better in my head. And so I think it was the same with this book, just kind of getting it into this, you know, chapter by chapter structure and just kind of think through and process through fully some of this stuff. It, it was, but that's really what impacted me the most was just kind of making sense of everything that was going on. Cause yeah, if I hadn't sat down and wrote it all out, I'd probably still be wondering what was going on and just confused. So, I mean, like a lot of books, it was a book for you, as much as it was for nobody else. It really was. And and someone asked me, so why did you write this book? And um, my first answer is, honestly, my it was selfish. It was a way for me to process through what was going on in my head. Um, and when I first started writing, it was I was just blogging and journaling, and I, I didn't really think much would come of it. But 
when I was venting to my husband one day, he's like, you need to write a book. And so he was kind of the one that gave me the, the first seed to actually put it out into the world. So, yeah. Well, I'm really excited for this book to, um, uh, for people to read this book because it, it is really uh, a good read. It's quite, it's, yeah, it is a really interesting journey that you go on. And I appreciate that. Um, and yeah, and I'm sure that it'll connect with a lot of people. Um, it's already, I think the book's already out, is that correct? Uh, it is out, yes. It's been out for about a month now. It's available on Amazon and through Apple Books. Fantastic. Uh, and it's called My CCM Soundtrack Life, which I still think is a great title. Every time I hear it say it, I think <laughs> it's great. Thank you. I appreciate that, because I struggled <laughs> trying to find a good title for it, so that means a lot. Thank you. I think that's a title that will actually connect with a lot of people, because um, I think a lot of people have grown up with the same experience. You know, that, sure. Even people who aren't musicians, you know, I mean... Uh, uh, anyone who kind of grew up in the church in the last 20 years will have will will resonate with that I think especially in America because it was huge in America um, CCM yeah. so. well, and I know a lot of people who honestly were forced to listen to CCM like by parents or maybe by pastors or youth pastors mm. and it was just kind of you know they were made to, basically made to feel guilty like if you don't listen to this you're a bad Christian wow so, yeah, I, I know a lot of people can relate to that which is funny because my my story was kind of the opposite. Like, I never had pressure from anyone else to listen to it. It was something that I just imposed on myself. So, hmm. <laughs> like, I made myself feel guilty. But I guess it's because the, the marketing was doing such a good job in the <laughs> CCM. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, I can't... And where can people connect with you online, by the way? Um, sure. Yeah, I'm on Twitter, at Jamie Coker, J-A-M-I-E-K-O-C-U-R. Uh, also on Instagram at Jamie underscore Coker. And then I've got a Facebook page, Jamie Coker author. Fantastic. And I would highly recommend connecting with that and go and get the book as well. Um, so thank you for coming on and sharing your story. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. I appreciate being here. Yeah. Uh, and um, thanks for listening, everybody. Take care. <laughs>